0: I'm excited about what I've got to share today. I brought notes. And I don't always use notes. But this time, I brought a few. Yeah. So this should be fun. We were talking last week about Jesus what he came to accomplish and going uh, about studying Matthew 21 and 22 when he came into Jerusalem and uh, there's a, a theme, four themes that run throughout five really, themes that run throughout those scriptures which are a revelation which I think should be an epiphany for us, because Jesus came to share, basically, why he was going to die and uh, what was going to happen. And those themes are he was a return of the priesthood to the believers. It goes all the way back to Genesis, the third chapter, the first promise in the Bible, the first promise was given to Satan, the serpent, and said, a seed's going to come from woman and crush your head. And so that's, the, that's what the restoration of the priesthood is all about. All about. <clears throat> but the first restoration is, it says, a priest unto God. There's a little difference than being a priest for the people a priest unto God. Ezekiel 44 would clearly state that, study it sometimes. get about halfway down in the chapter, and he starts talking about because the people fell away, and when they fell away into bondage, he said that the ones that weren't faithful to me, he calls them the the faithful ones, the sons of Zadok, Zadok was a priest during the time of David. He was also a priest, a high priest, during the time of Saul, David, and Solomon, three kings, where he was priest, high priest. And it was said that he managed to be loyal to all three kings, which was an achievement in itself. So when he says sons of Zadok, it meant sons of someone that was very faithful. It didn't mean literal descendants of Zadok. But he says the sons of Zadok, he says the, the priests that fell away from me, they won't be, when they come back, when the temple is restored, they'll be a priest, the Levites, that fell away from me. They can, they can be a priest, but they will only be allowed to serve the people and be a priest unto the people but the ones that were faithful, the sons of Zadok, they can be, they will be a priest unto me. And you hear this word, me, my, of God, from God many times there, about, I don't know, nine times I think it is, where he says, they will not be able to come unto my table, the ones that weren't faithful, but the priest of Zadok will be able to come into my table, and they will serve me at my table, and they will do, serve me and be a priest to me and it goes on so when it says that the 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 priesthood is returned to the believer which is the gentiles in this particular case he says it means that we have the priesthood that where we will serve as a priest for the people and unto god for our faithfulness is not in our works but is our faithfulness would be in christ so it talks about the priesthood, the rest- restoration of the priesthood. It talks about uh, the building of the body of Christ. It refers to the stone that the builders rejected. Jesus refers to the stone that builders calls in him. He's calling himself that stone, and there was a stone that the builders had rejected. They didn't think that it was. Uh, they didn't. It didn't fit. And I've heard different stories about that, but historically there was a stone the builders rejected. He wasn't just referring to something that didn't happen, he was referring something that did happen. When they built Solomon's temple, there was a stone the builders rejected. And then it ended up becoming the headstone of the corner. So there's a reference to the body of Christ. We, uh, you see that same reference in 1 Peter, you see the same reference in in, uh, Ephesians, and you see it in other places where we are a temple unto God. So that was one of the themes. Then there's the theme where it literally talks about crushing Satan's head. And so crushing Satan's head was part of the theme. And of course, a theme that is also referred to is the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. You have to study these things and get into them and the whole scripture by every word to really see all these things. But if you want to study them, you don't see it, I'll help you. But the last thing he refers to, well, it's actually the next to the last, the last thing he referred to is crushing Satan's head. But the very last thing on the agenda, as far as Jesus reveals, why did he die? And it gets down to the the, uh, commandment. Uh, He was asked, what is the first of all commandments? This isn't the first time that he was asked this. This isn't the first time he would say these things. But uh, here, in this situation, it's the first time. And I'll get my glasses out any minute here. Wow, I thought i put these glasses in where they could be easily retrieved. But I was wrong. Like I said, I'm no longer the youth group. So I need glasses. Wow, this is something. What's this? Oh, I remember now. You know, Peg, one time, and this was this was about 10 years ago. I was on the phone and somebody said, you know, what's your area, uh, your zip code, zip code, See, area code. I got to get the right one. So I began to say my whole address, 622 State, no, I just want your zip code. I said, I'm getting to that, 622 State Highway 20. You know, and and she stopped me again. No, I just want your zip code. I said, okay. And I put the phone over here. 622 (laughs) State Highway 28, to 13820. And then at one time I said, I'm having an elder moment. She says, you mean senior, don't you? And I said, yes, that's what I mean. (laughs) I couldn't even think of the word senior, you know. So that was ten years ago. Just you can only imagine. Hallelujah! What am I looking for now? The what? Number four. Number four. Number four. Uh, nobody got my number five joke last week, so I'm not going to say it again. Hoping that you've been enlightened, but you don't get. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Where is that? I think I here it is ah here it is over here I got it in two places so I wouldn't miss it see now you heard this before but I'm going to go over it again and, and make some point that I didn't make before thou shalt love the Lord thy God now he's quoting from three different places in the Old Testament and, he, and it's quoted at separate times in the New Testament, and it uses various words to get the point across. It's a, little, it's a little like, well, why didn't he say, why didn't he be consistent with each time? Well, it's because it's like when he said to, to the disciples, unless you forgive uh, seven times in a day, uh, you're, you know, those that offend you, and so Peter later on says, You got to forgive seven times, in a, seven times in a day if a person offends you. And he knows that seven times seven, 49. It's like, What? You just, I just got this down seven times, and you say it's seven times seven. Well, it's, that's the same point here. There are many different words that are used here, but I got them all to help you. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And he says this is the first commandment and all of the other commandments rest on this one. With all thy service, heart, soul, mind, body, spirit, strength, ability, force, emotions, thoughts, wills, intentions, and attentions, and desire, right? Now I put all, I looked all of those up and looked all those different words up and it gave me all the different synonyms to them, and this is what it come up with. Thou shall love the Lord thy God with all thy service, heart, soul, mind, body, spirit, strength, ability, force, emotions, thoughts, and will. Intentions and attentions and desire. Wow. And then it says, the the second is like the first. Thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself. And I see that the scriptures are impossible. That's impossible. I don't, is there anybody that can do that or is doing it? Better still, is, is, is there anybody doing it? Well, Jesus died so that we would be enabled to do that. This is what God is looking for. This is the end game that you would love him with everything that's in you, your entire being. And he gives all those words. And then the second, you can't do the first. Well, you cannot. Let me Let me... Make sure I get a point across here. You cannot do this. <clears throat> in Second Corinthians, chapter three, is just about the whole chapter is devoted to a particular theme, and it's the same theme that I'm trying to draw uh, that get across here. Is that they couldn't do this in the Old Testament? Galatians state. That they couldn't do it. It was impossible because it was impossible. The only way that we could do it, it, it's like what I said about the rich young ruler. When he was told go sell everything he had, give it to the poor and come follow Jesus, he went away. And, and uh, I, uh, the story and the greatest story ever told and where Jesus is talking to Lazarus and he told Lazarus the same thing. And Lazarus, looked down like this and said, who could do such a thing? And it was, it just, just be real here. Could you do that? You know, it's easy to do. It's like i referred refer to that, that song by Bob Dylan one time, it's about hippo, hypocrites. And they went and asked for help at a, uh, f- help from a, at a door, from door to door, and they knocked on the door and says, could you help us with this? He says, "Get lost." And he says, "You know they denied Jesus too." And he says, "Yeah, but you ain't him." It's like you—you you are not Jesus, you know. Or I'm not Jesus. If I ask you to sell everything you have and sell, it, give it to the poor and come and follow me, the well, way your rejection. Well, you know that's what Jesus asked. And he says, "Yeah, but you ain't him." You know, it's just like if somebody, you've got to hear a voice in your ear and you say, what? It's like Bob Mumford used to say, he would hear God speaking to him and, and then he would say, I rebuke you, devil. Well, for example, when he asked God to take everything out of his life that wasn't of God, wasn't of him. He got tapped on the shoulder and he turned around and he saw a bulldozer coming at him. And he said, "I rebuke you, devil." And then he noticed that the Holy Spirit was driving. He said, "I didn't mind that shovel that comes down, but in the back they had that rake that really raked right through you." You see, like Doctor B used to said, you know, or Bob Mumford used to say, if somebody gets your goat, that means you got to, only got a goat to get. And you know, and Bob. Dr. B used to say, if, if somebody's rubbing you the wrong way, turn your cat around. Do you get that? You ever rub a cat the wrong way? They don't like it. So if somebody's doing something you don't like, turn your cat around. You know? In other words, love them back instead of getting angry and frustrated. And so... When he says this, who can do such a thing? Who could sell everything they have and come and go and follow Jesus? Who could do it? It, He's just been honest. Well, in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, it says this, that in the reading of the Old Testament, which is Jesus quoting from the Old Testament, and Galatians says that nobody could do those. Nobody could do that. And when they were talking about the Gentiles being Jews, they said, nobody could do that. Nobody could ever be be that. Why do we want to saddle them with it? And so in 2 Corinthians 3, it's very simply put, it says this, that when Moses, now now the whole thing, the restoration of the priesthood, the restoration of the priesthood unto God, In the beginning, it was everybody could go in and fellowship with God and talk with God and pray with God and be a priest unto God. Everybody. Now, instead of everybody, they wanted the firstborn because of that promise of firstborn would be the ones that represented each family. But when Moses went up into the mountain to talk to God, God, He comes back he was so touched by the glory of God that he they they wouldn't they didn't want to look at him they didn't want to have anything to do with God and then he says who's on the gods who's on God's side and they they came across you know who came across not the firstborn it was the Levites and so the Levites at that time God moves in a different direction he gives them the priesthood back to the Levites. But in the beginning, everybody was supposed to come unto God. And so it talks about that in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, how when Moses come down, they didn't want, they were not able to even look at a reflection of what God was that Moses saw. And it was God's, it was his backside. And so they put a veil over his face a veil over his head because they could not stand to look at the glory of God until the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John the first chapter verse 12 the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory even the glory of the Father. So what does that mean? in, In the third chapter, it says they put a veil over his face. And at that point in time, and it says, even today, Paul says, even today, the veil is over the Old Testament. He says, but that veil is done away in Christ. You see that big, thick veil that was between the holy place and the holy of holies, the the inner court, the the very inner court? That big, thick veil, when Jesus was crucified, a bolt of lightning come down and split that veil from top to bottom. And that was another, it was a, a reference right back to the veil that was over Moses' face. And it wasn't just Moses, but it says in the reading of Moses, in the Old Testament, you see? And that's what it says. A veil was over everybody's face. So they could not what? They could not see the glory of God. They could not see the true God. And in the reading of the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, there's a veil over that. Reading today, if you don't understand, if you haven't had the veil taken away in Christ, it says that veil is taken away in Christ. So just as it said in John 1, the glory of the Lord was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And the same thing in 2 Corinthians, it says... In Christ through his crucifixion and resurrection through that he was uh, the veil is taken away in Christ and we can see the glory of God and when we see the glory of God we are changed from image to image but into the image of Christ and that's interesting because that was promised that that would happen that you and I have a predestiny, We have a destiny that has already been pre-planned for us in Christ, in God. And that destiny is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That's an interesting word, image, because the word in in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 12, it talks about how we are to meditate on these things that he was talking about in in. in Uh, to Timothy. Meditate on these things. And that word meditate in the the Greek is the Greek word meliteo. And one of the definitions of of meditate is to imagine. Imagine. Well, the word imagine comes from the word image. Now, the the Bible explicitly says, warns about vain imaginations. These are vain imaginations, which is an you know, imagining things that are not of God. And anything that's not of faith is not of God. But to, to, to meditate in Malik Teo is to imagine God, imagine his word. Because why? Because, see, it's like Jesus said to, uh, uh, the, about the rich young ruler who went away sad. And they said who can then be saved if the rich can't be saved who can be saved and he says the things that are impossible with man are possible with god that's when he tells them except a, a, a camel it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to be saved and they said who can be saved And he says, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. And this is exactly what he's showing right here is when I go to the cross, it's possible in me. But the veil has to be taken away and you have to behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, the Old Testament opens up to a whole different world. When you read the Old Testament with a veil taken away, now, there's some things in the Old Testament that are revelations about, like the wrath of God. God has a wrath that is, well, it's, there's no end to it. There's no limit to it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it says, you will be able to love the Lord thy God. And what's the first thing that you see when this veil is taken away? Is what Jesus came to reveal, which was that the love of God. So, you cannot love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, strength, everything, emotions, without understanding how much God loved you and how much He loves you. And it's only through Christ that you can understand that. And one of my favorite verses is in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, in verse 30, which is just a, a mind blower, and that is we, or he, it says, he, is talking about God, being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And it says, he, God, made him, Jesus. See, I, I don't do well with pro, pro, pronouns. If somebody's using he and she and things, I'm like, are you talking about this person now or are you talking about that person? And you know, I don't know, I, I have this problem. I tend to think of the wrong person. You know, and so... But this is this why I explain it to you. You know, <clears throat> you know so it's, it's like the, well, I'm not gonna. I know a joke that's pretty funny, but I'm not gonna tell it right now. <sighs> I have come so long in 43 years, so far, <sighs> that I can actually not tell a joke that I think about. I'm not gonna tell it. Anyways. Uh, Oh, it's it's not that bad either. It really fits in with what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to tell it. Now all I can do is think about that joke. Sorry. Uh, I heard, first time I heard this joke, (laughs) I heard Frankie McCracken tell it in a sermon. All right, so if Frankie can tell it, I can tell it. If I can remember what I was talking about, I wouldn't tell the joke, God, you, you got to stop me somehow. Oh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5. Boy, they didn't want, somebody didn't want to hear this joke. <laughs> That's okay. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 30. He, God. I'm explaining the pronouns. He, God, made him, Jesus, To be our sin. Actually, it says Him, who knew no sin without sin, was made Him sin by God. God made Him sin. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the treasure in the field. How God, for a treasure, he explained the kingdom of God is like a man who buried a treasure in a field. And then when he comes back to retrieve it, he finds out somebody owns the field. So he buys the field to get the treasure. And that is a total example of Jesus buying the world to save us. We're the treasure, I'm the treasure. He bought an entire world. He was made with the sin of the whole world so that you and I might be bought. And he bought you by having, and you know what? Now, this is one of the things that hit me when I first got, uh, came back to the Lord. And that, and that was, while we were yet sinners, it says, Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While you were absolute at your worst, and your worst was worthy of, well, your best day of your life is only worthy of the total wrath of God. You know, I, 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 I have talked to people and I don't ever want to make somebody sound like uh, bad or something, but I knew a, a guy who said he was a believer, but his life didn't reflect it. And so... Uh, He said he he had lost his family in a fire. And he said, I didn't deserve that. And I said, well, I I can't judge who deserves what. But I, I can say this much. The last thing in this world that I ever want is what I deserve. Please, God, don't give me what I deserve because I deserve to go to hell. That's a hard hard word. I understand that. It's hard for me to say it. I deserve to go to hell. The wrath of God on mankind. You know, it's just like I referred to back in Ezekiel 14, four times. 14 verse 14, 14 16, 18 and 20. Four times in one chapter. One after Another, And it says, I would not uh, forgive or rescue uh, Israel. I would not rescue them out of this, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were with them. I wouldn't do it. And in, 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 uh, in Isaiah 40, it talks about how if you offered up, if Israel offered up every animal in the world, as a burnt offering for the entire forest that is in Lebanon to burn down. Giant forest, there's a fire out in California right now. And I often wonder what would ever happen if it reached those giant redwoods and those Samoans, you know, Samoyas. Did I get it right that time? Well, you know the tree. What is that tree anyway? Sequoia. Sequoia. Yeah, there's a town over here called Sequoia. Or I always say, Sequoit, You know, Sequoia. So whatever would happen if they ever caught on fire? You know, I mean, really blazing. Uh, I don't know if they could even put such a thing out or even stop it, except at the ocean. It'd stop at the ocean. But he says, if you took every tree, basically he's saying every tree in the world, and you made a giant fire, and you burned every animal as a burnt offering and a sacrifice to me, I wouldn't forgive them. And it's a reference to the need and purpose of Jesus Christ. See, the only thing that we can be, we can, there's not enough sacrificing we can do to this world to get us out of the trouble that we would be in if God dealt with us according to our iniquities. There's a verse of scripture that says nobody could stand nobody could stand the best you've ever been but it's just at the worst you've ever been that's when christ died for you the worst behavior you've ever done in your whole life that's when christ died for you he was made sin with my sin he was made sin with the whole world and this is something that i was thinking this treasure he bought the whole world to get the treasure I'm the treasure, you're the treasure, but it personally, just personalize this. I'm the treasure God's talking about. He bought the whole world to save me. He didn't just save me. He didn't just was made sin with my sin. He was made sin with the whole world in order to get me to buy the field to get the treasure. Bought the whole world to save me. And so the love of God, well, <laughs> That's, I want you to put up a song up there real quick. Uh, uh, In Christ Alone. I love this song, and I've always loved this song, but recently I've just been this enthralled with it. So I've been, you know, looking at it and listening through various people. And, and, and there's this family that looks like they're Mennonites or, or uh, something, and they, they sing songs and worship songs. They're Christians. And it's my favorite version of the song. You know, I also like the, you know, this song was written just uh, within the last 20 years, 20 years ago. This was written, this is a current song, but it uh, like, sounds like a hymn of old. I used to think it was an old hymn until I was uh, uh, enlightened, right? But it was written by two guys in Ireland and the Celtic version of it is really good, especially if you're like me and you like bag- bagpipes but let's look at those words. Okay. My hope is built on nothing Let This isn't uh, in Christ alone. It starts in Christ alone. That's funny for, uh, about this. Uh, this is it? Yes. Well, it starts in Christ, oh, in Christ alone. <laughs> Did I miss that the first time? Oh, I didn't think so okay I, I'm, I'm not totally losing it I got a call from a person the other day I got a procedure tomorrow that I'm having to go through and they said we moved your time up for starters I thought and then they said you don't have to come in till 8 45 and I said well I was coming in at 7:30 anyways why am why is my time moved up and they meant forward In other words, later in the day. And I'm like, doesn't move it up mean, and I'm thinking, gee, back to the future here, back to the future. (laughs) You know, I'm going back to the future. And I said, okay, so I don't have to be there at the hospital until 8.45. Okay, great. Fifteen minutes later, I get a phone call from the same person. I'm, hello, we've moved your time up. And I'm like, didn't I just have this conversation with you? And she goes, oh yeah, oh I'm sorry, I, I didn't cross you off the list, I have a list to call. And I says, thank you, I, I thought I was losing it. You know, it's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It, In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. You know, by the way, if you look at, if you Google this and look at it, uh, the, the version I like with it's this, this is like an Amish family or a Mennonite family. Their little boys saying that chorus in the middle of the song that we started singing, you know. And uh, he is my light, my strength, my song. The cornerstone, there it is. He's the cornerstone. Uh, this solid ground. You see, we're built on solid ground. That cornerstone is a firm foundation. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. My, uh, what heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Remember, he's a firm foundation. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. This sight, <laughs> this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on the cross, and we're going to just look at, this is the last one we're going to look at. If you recall last week, I asked uh, Chris if he would lead us in, You know, the song Christ Alone uh, or the other song, which is also really uh, one of my favorites. And I didn't hear this other song, which is He is Worthy, uh, which we sang last week. And I said, if you sing that Christ Alone one, would you sing the version? If you guys remember when we have sung it before, sometimes there's a version out, which is really exciting, which goes like this in the middle of it goes. Whoa whoa, 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 and it's sung in this big, huge gathering, and they're all singing, and their hands are in there, and it's just beautiful. And I said, "Do that version, the whoa, whoa, whoa song," you know. And he kind of looked at me funny, and then he says, "Oh, I know what you mean." And then I told him yesterday. Yesterday, I said, "Chris." Don't do that version, all right? Don't do that version. It's a great version, by the way, but it doesn't have this verse in it. And I didn't even know that until I was listening to it and I was singing with it and I'm like, wait a minute, they left out something. And in my mind, it was the most important verse of the whole song. And it says this, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Do you understand that? If you read the Old Testament and you see the wrath of God in action, and then you notice it was satisfied, satisfied in Christ. For every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live amen. amen all right that is the love of God he was made sin and I always refer back which is even a greater mind blower is where it says in Isaiah 53 all we like sheep have gone astray everyone has gone his own way. I saw a special that they're, they're, they're gonna bring in about serial killers and everything. And they had the Night Stalker. You remember the Night Stalker in California? And he is saying, when they called him evil, he says, everybody is evil. And you know what? It's true. It's true. The, the righteousness of man are as filthy rags to God. You're self-righteousness. And you think you're a good person. Good person isn't going to get you to heaven. Good person is when you realize the wrath of God was laid on Christ. And so the night stalker says, everybody is evil. And he, he was right. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, and if, if no matter if you offered up every burnt offering and every sacrifice in the world for your sin, it wouldn't be enough, it wouldn't be sufficient because God had to die for you, the Son had to die for you, and He wasn't, He didn't just die on the cross. I want to tell you something the, 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 the visible things that went on were horrible, but they don't even compare to what the spiritual things that were going on. He was made sin. And then there's that verse, all we like Sheba have gone astray. Everyone has gone his way. And then in verse 10 of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the chief chapters in the Bible that re- that refers to one of the greatest findings was the seven sea scrolls, the de- you know, the in the dead sea scrolls. The greatest finding was the uh, the, 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 the confirmation that Isaiah was written when it was said it was written and it was intact of what it was written. In Isaiah 53, major chapter that talks about the crucifixion of Christ. Probably the major chapter in the entire Old Testament. And in verse 10, it says this, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And that word bruise means to crush to pierce through, as in on the nails in the... You know, the devil didn't crucify Jesus. Roman soldiers didn't crucify Jesus. The Sanhedrin didn't crucify Jesus. God the Father crucified His Son. And I just see the hand of God driving those bikes in. And that, that's be one thing and it did because he's a, you know god is can be totally he crushed himself and at the same time totally it's just, it, jesus it says for the joy that before set was set before him he endured the cross so th- the joy that christ christ was going through joy why how could it please the lord how could it please god the father to crush his son you know another scene i like from the greatest story ever told is when uh or actually it's from uh, the jesus of nazareth uh movie one of my favorite stories is in the beginning when uh miracles was he just done the miracle with he where uh jairus daughter was raised from the dead and uh uh, they're, they're, at, they're, they're sleeping at night and they're all around the campfire and they're, they're uh, covering themselves up and Peter comes out and says oh I told her I would be back I told her I, this was not a good time for fishing I told her I was coming right back and he sits down and Matthew's sitting there and Matthew looks at him and says don't lie to her he says what do you mean don't lie to her he says you're not going back you're never going back You're never going back. You're never going to get drunk again, and neither am I, because we're the first to know. That's what he says: the first to know. First, know what? That he is the Messiah. Well, I love that scene. It was awesome. I love it. But he he wasn't the first to know. If you read in John, by the way, in John, if you read the book, you know the, 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 the uh, <clears throat> miracle of the wine, right? The miracle of the wine, right after that, because he had to go up and celebrate the Passover, he went to Jerusalem. Matthew 21 wasn't the first time he beat the money changers out of the temple. John, the second chapter, is the first time. And in John, the second chapter, he says this, you know, what sign will you give us, the, the Jews that were coming at him? And he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Talking about, and he says, he was talking about his body. See, the difference between me and Jesus is I'd explain it to him. Reminds me of a joke. God, see, I need... I got to tell this joke. I can't be reminded twice. Very quickly, guy comes, he's an immigrant. He got a job right off the boat. He's got a job. He gets his first paycheck and goes into the bank and he says, here, would you cash this check? And she says, sign the back and I'll cash it. He says, I ain't signing nothing. She says, well, I ain't cashing it then. He goes to the next one, does the same thing. The person next one says, sign the check and I'll give you the money. Same thing. Goes to the third cashier is a guy. He says, and they're all watching this because he's the only one in the bank and they're all watching it. And then he, he says, I want to cash this check. And he reaches across and grabs him by the cuff and he gives him about bam, bam, bam. Sign the stinking check. And the guy goes, <laughs> gives, him, gives him the money. And as he's walking out, the other tellers, one of the tellers says, why didn't you sign the check? Why did you sign the check for him and not us? And he says, well, he explained it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got sidetracked. Who, who reminded me of where I was in, the last time? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Who? The money changers in the temple. Thank you very much. He, he said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up. And the, and the Jews said, It took us 46, took our ancestors 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to build it back up in three days? And then it says he knew that he was talking about the body. See, that's where I would have explained it to him. You know, bam, bam, bam. (laughs) Okay, got a better laugh at the joke than I did at my response. Right after that, Nicodemus comes to him right after that Nicodemus was, was the one came to him by night you know what that meant he, he wasn't exactly proud of coming to him and then he says to Jesus I know that uh, you're a, a man from God or else God wouldn't do the mighty things that are, that are happening and so he says uh, you know and then Jesus says except a man be born again, he shall not receive the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, what? What? How can a man be born again? Go inside a mother's womb and then be, come out again? And he goes, says, except a man be, water, be born of water. That's what being born of the womb was called. In those days, being born of water. It's not talking about baptism. It's talking about when a woman's water breaks okay except a man be born of water and spirit so that's born again of the spirit of God and then he goes into saying you know uh, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world God sent his only son into the world that whosoever might believe in him might be saved now he had just got now here's an interesting thing He says to Nicodemus before that, he says, except the Son of Man, Jesus, he's talking about himself, be lifted up, talking about the cross, as the serpent was lifted up in the time of Moses, there there would be no salvation. What an interesting reference to that. If I was of the religious order in that time, I'd say, how dare him, because he just called him the serpent. You know, that's when they were bitten by snakes, by the way. All right. They had to, they lifted up the serpent in in, in the wilderness. And so this, as the serpent was lifted up, <clears throat> there was a guy who was a sports figure who got saved. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he wrote a book about numerics, not num- numerology, numerics in the Bible and how every verse had a, numeric uh, value. He says There's in every verse that talks about Satan, it could be divided by 13 and then had a numeric value of some sort as far as 13 is concerned. In every verse that talks about God or Jesus in the Bible, who is God, it had a numeric verse uh, that could be divided by seven. Seven is uh, uh, the, the holy number of covenant and Uh, the the sabbat, the seven. So it says, the only verse in the Bible that is, has uh, both divisible by 13 and 7 was when Jesus was on the cross as the serpent is lifted up. How could he, how dare he refer to himself as the serpent except for one thing, he was made sin with our sin, and he became the serpent lifted up. That if we see him, we shall be saved and healed. Wow, is that special? Right. And so, he was made sin who knew no sin, and it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to crush his son, to crucify his son. How, how could it possibly please him to do that to save me because he loves me that much he loves you that much and that's what it says the wrath of God was satisfied wow all the wrath of God was laid out on his son because he loves me that much I cannot love God until I get that down. I cannot love God more than I have an understanding, not only up in here, but down in here, how much He loves me. He loves me, that He not just died on the cross, but He was made sin. Who knew And the Godhead was split for the first time in the universe or ever again. The God has whispered, and the Father turns his back on the Son. Why? So the Father would not turn his back on me. God loves me so much, and that's when you can begin to love God back with your heart, mind, body, soul, strength. And that's when you can love your neighbor as yourself, And until you get that first part down, you can never get it down. I want to read to you words out of a song. It is my understanding about this song that when it was uh, Mercy Me did a a cover of it. But it's my understanding that when this song was uh, first found, the words of the song were found on a wall that was written by a person that was in a sanitarium for being insane. And he wrote this on the wall. And I refer to the love of God when God died for me and was made sin for me and he crushed his son for me. I say, I think that that's insane. That's insane. But I sure love him for it. But this is, this was written on the wall of a person that was supposedly insane. Now, I've also heard that after that person, they took the words off this wall, they did, a, in history, they found that there was a, a, a hymn that had been written before that. But they didn't find it when they found it the first time, uh, it was written on the wall of somebody that was supposedly insane, okay? The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled. And pardoned from his sin. Now, this is the chapter, this is the one I wanted to tell you. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, where every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write? the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Now listen to this one more time, okay? I want to, well, I'll just tell you what it says. If the oceans were, was ink. And every human being was a scribe by trade. And every stalk, every quill pulled out of a bird, of every bird, was made a pen. And every stalk of quill, and every scribe by trade. If we were to write about the love of God, we would drain the ocean dry. And we would fill the sky from sky to sky. That meant the sky, the universe was the sky. Do you understand? <laughs> now, now my question in making that is, how much of that sky, if you were the, one of the scribes with your pen and ink, how much of that sky would you fill up Talking about the love of God. I want you to put up Psalm uh, one, thir- Psalm one thirteen. We'll we'll end with this, maybe. All right, Psalm one thirteen. I'm sorry, I said 113, I meant 139. How could I, yeah, I'm no longer a youth. All right, Psalm 139, Psalm 113. At least I figured it out quicker this time. Okay, here we go. There we go. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandeth my far my thought afar of off. He knows your thought afar of off. You compassed my path and my lying down. You are acquainted, it means you're surrounded, you surrounded my path, my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything you've ever done at every time, every thought you've ever had. For there is not a word in my tongue, every word, that, every idle word, every word that you come out of your mouth, there's not a word in your tongue, but lo, O oh Lord, you knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid my hand, and laid your hand upon me. You surrounded me, you sit, you, you're going before me, you you pre you have a predestination for my life, such knowledge, and we're going to end with that one. Even because I want I, I I was going to read more, but I just want to stop with this. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, wonderful for me. It is high I cannot attain unto it. Uh, I did want to read a poem to you that I wrote. When you're in love with somebody, and there's so many beautiful love songs that are written about earthly love. Now, when it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, strength, everything, part of that was emotions. There are other loves in the Bible that refer to just specific kind of emotions, like in in, uh, Song of Solomon, it uses the word eros for love, and that's a romantic love. And then there's other places that use the word phila for love. We get other words like Philadelphia means love of the brother. The word you know, uh, phila, Philip comes from the word love. So anyway, it actually means, Philip means love, love of horses, actually. And so there are two, there are two other three. There's also, the, there's storge, which means affectionate love. Agape love is all three. All of them, all four. Every love. And I said a while ago, I I told the story of Nicodemus, and I said, Nicodemus was the first to know. Nicodemus was the first to know, not Matthew and Peter. Nicodemus was the first to know. And how did did he know that? Because Jesus says, for God so loved the world. Back at Teen Challenge, our chaplain used to teach this, And I've tried to verify it as time progressed, and I have not been able to refute it yet. But he taught that the very first time this word, love, agape love, agapeo if it's the verb, was used at this very moment when Jesus says, for God so loved the world. It was never used before, agape love. When Dr. Carroll was here with the Artifacts, the uh, archaeologist, uh, and and he's an expert in Greek and Hebrew and everything, and could speak them very well, Uh, I I asked him about that. And he says, I don't know, I think that's possible. That the very first time agape love was used, it, it, it meant everything. Romantic love. Read Song of Solomon and you will see how much the the bridegroom loves his bride. And it refers to, and you can also see how to love God with all your heart by watching the bridegroom's love for him. And that's just one of the areas. But I wrote this poem for my wife and I wanted to share it with you because this is, In my opinion uh, one of the um, most important one of the ways I won't say most important but when you love God you will love him like the the Psalm 139 was talking about he loves you he knows every thought if you want if you love God with all your heart You will want to love him with all your thoughts. And you would want to know every thought that he's ever had. Is it possible? No. Why is it not possible? Because there is no fathom to the love of God. There is no. But you would would want to know him. Like Paul says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That I may know the fellowship of his suffering. You will want to know God. You will want to love him with all your romantic love, with all your filial uh, love, you, with all your affection. And I wrote a poem, I used to have written a, my wife broke them out for me one time, all the poems that I used to write. Or, I know I'm gonna have to get back to that, <laughs> but I'm not young anymore. Anyways, I wrote this poem and I want you to see to think about this the way, think about God this way. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, how much I love I had for my wife. I, I I read this and I said I want to have this kind of love toward God, and it's about missing God's presence. The poem is about missing her presence, and if you if you if you love God with all your heart, you won't. It's like when, you know, one of the greatest love affairs, romantic love affairs that ever, that's known, is between Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney, Paul McCartney of the Beatles. They were never separated except when he went to the bathroom. They, you would always find them together. Now that may sound a little unrealistic, but they loved each other so much they didn't want to be apart. And if you love God that much, you will not want to be apart from God. And I wrote this poem about my wife, and she was about to go, well, she went someplace, and I wrote this poem. I will miss you, my love, a thousand years gone by, though you're away but hours, then again here by my side. Time holds no explanation for this longing in my heart love only knows the answer love holds while we're apart so make haste from yonder come back but say come back safe but fast come home where love is stronger and this time apart be past and i was reading this the other day and i thought God, I want to have this for you. I want to be so aligned with your presence that when it's away for just maybe moments, it seems like a thousand years. That's why God said about time, a day is as a thousand years to him, a thousand years as a day. I also believe that he was referring to the crucifixion when he said that when it's going to be three days. 3,000, it was gonna seem like 3,000 years to God. But to love God so much that you want Him in your thoughts and in your mind and in your presence and in your activities and in your life and in your dreams, to go to bed and dream about Him. To imagine, to imagine that. You know, I, I, I take old songs or pop songs or songs of that nature. And I, I uh, write my own words to them. And you know, uh, let me go back to this word, imagine. Imagine, <coughs> I, 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 I thought of this song, and uh, I, I, was, uh, I wanted to rewrite the words. It talks about where we see Christ with an open face, beholding as Him is in a mirror. It, that means a glass because later, uh, later in scripture it's, or in 1 Corinthians 13 it says we see through a glass darkly and in James you know, the first, second chapter it talks about the word of God being a mirror and so it's like a glass and I, I came to the song and I was imagining the love of God remember uh, what was it Mercy Me that wrote the song about imagine imagine the love of God not the song that John, John Lennon wrote, which is sad. Imagine there's no heaven. Well, I want to imagine there is a heaven. I want to get the image in my mind of Christ and who he was. And so I, 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 I hope you don't mind if I torture you. Just this one last song. I'm going to share. I wrote words to a world. to a, Well, I wouldn't call it a worldly song. It was a love song. All right. And it's a sad song. Because the person has a different meaning of the word imagine in it. So I wrote this, I wrote words, my own words. Most of the words in it are the words of the original song. So I'll sing it for you if you'll let me. <coughs> I'm not do it near, near as good as the group that sang it, who were mostly Christians, by the way. And so it goes like this. Um, I look through the window. And I watched as my Lord passes by. And I say to myself, Don, you're such a very fortunate guy. To have a savior like him, it's really a dream come true. Out of all the guys in the world, he chose you. And do you know that's true? When I asked God personally, I said, am I your favorite? He said, yes, you are. I said, how can that be? You're no respecter of persons. He says, it's easy because all my children are my favorite. He says, out of all the guys in the world, he chose you. And yes, it is my imagination once again running away with me. Yes, it's just my imagination running away with me. And I want to encourage you, let your imagination about God run away with you. Like the Greek word, meliteo, to imagine, to imagine. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.